up your Bibles, if you would, to Luke 19. If you're still learning your way around the Bible, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. Luke is in the New Testament. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke. This is going to be a little bit of a different series. The subject matter is not different. We do this from time to time just because I think that even though a lot of these things I'm going to say this morning, you know, I think our hearts have to continue to be stirred up about this. And so even though I'm going to share today over the next few weeks, We'll have, you know, we'll talk about, we talk about reaching people where they are. We're going to talk about the value of student ministry and what Pastor Mike share on that. We're going to talk about the value of recovery, why that matters, and, and then Aaron will share on that. And we're going to talk about the, the value of reaching kids, and Ashley will talk about that. And so we're going to do each one of those things in connection with reaching people where they are. And so we're going to just talk a little bit about the heart of God in regards to that this morning. And so in Luke chapter 19, verse 1, it says this. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. Now, how many in here have ever heard of Zacchaeus before? Let me see your hand. Yeah, you've heard of Zacchaeus. And, I, and anytime we talk about Zacchaeus, I think I say this. It's hard for me to read about Zacchaeus without wanting to sing about Zacchaeus. Does anybody here want to sing about Zacchaeus? Like some of you, how many of you said the song went through your head, you know, about Zacchaeus? You know, he kind of describes him right, that he was, he was a wee little man, you know, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up into the sycamore tree. Why did he do that? Because the Lord he wanted to see, you know. So, I mean, we, we know that song. Well, he was actually, a, he was not just a, a, a figure in a folk song. He was a historical person. And so there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. Let me read that to you again. He was the chief tax collector in the region. And he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road. For Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Everybody say, called him by name. name. So Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus, and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Now, a lot of you know kind of culturally what's going on in this situation, but for those of you that don't, let me kind of fill the blanks in for you. And that is, again, that when it says it, that the information that it gives there is not, they're not small details. When it says that Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector in that town, that was very significant for them. Tax collectors among the Jews, were, they were not viewed favorably by their own people during this season because what they would do is, is that as a Jew, they would collect taxes from other Jews and then give the money that they collected to the Romans. In other words, they were, they were viewed as traitors, as somebody that was betraying their nation. And so they would collect that money, and then if they could get extra out of it, and because of their position, they were able to manipulate, betray, and, and that type of thing, they could get extra money out of the people they were collecting taxes from, and they would get rich that way. So a lot of times, man, the, the community would have nothing to do with them, didn't, didn't want them around. Their own families would separate themselves from them. I mean, they were really viewed as outsiders and as somebody that were, were completely just, you know, just despised by their community. Nobody liked them. As a whole, people didn't like him. And so Zacchaeus, when when he's in this situation, he hears about Jesus and he wants to see him. Now, I don't know, you know, the Bible doesn't give some of these details, so it it may not have been this way. But I do wonder if if he, at any point, when the people were lined up along the road to see Jesus, because you think about the fact that you have to climb up in a tree to get a view of him says that there was a significant crowd in that moment. That it wasn't just this, you know, just, the, just a few people. 
But I mean, there was a significant crowd that this guy would have to, he'd have to climb in a tree just to see him. That means thousands of people had to be lining the road. Jericho was, was no dinky city. And there was also, it was, a, it was a place because of some business going there of great wealth. And so he was able to tax people that were making money with this particular product that was being sold there. And so all of these things were going on. And, and Zacchaeus was, he was in that tree just hoping to get a glimpse of Jesus. And again, I, I don't know if maybe at some point he'd try to get in front of people and say, you know, and they were like, no, dude, you're not getting in front of me. I've seen what you do. I know who you are. You know, there's no way I'm letting you get in front of me. You, you find someplace else. And so Zacchaeus climbs up in a tree to get a look at him. And then when Jesus goes by, it says when he came by, he, he wasn't indifferent to Zacchaeus. As a matter of fact, it says he called him by name. Now, that is such a significant thing to me. That Jesus sees him in a tree and calls him by name. Zacchaeus. And I, and I wonder, you know, again, in that moment, the minute he says it, because he was so despised by the people in his own community, were they thinking just for a brief moment that he was going to chastise them, him? Zacchaeus, I know who you are. I know what you've done. You sorry individual. How dare you even try to get a glimpse of me up in that tree? That's not what he, Jesus did, though. Right? He looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to be a guest in your home today. And so when we talk about reaching people where they are, that if you're taking notes, the very first thing is, is that God pursues us in our brokenness. He pursues us in our brokenness. Not after we're no longer broken, because that never comes. But he pursues us in our brokenness. That while I'm a mess, Jesus pursues me. While I'm, while I'm you know, not understood, while I'm disliked, while I'm doing things that I shouldn't be doing, God pursues us. One of my favorite passages is Romans chapter 5, verse 6, which says this. When we were utterly helpless, utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, I think it's interesting that Paul didn't say that Christ came just at the right time and died for you sinners. Yeah, you, know, you think about this, Paul had written a significant amount of the New Testament. And so, you know, he, you, know you think about this, that if Peter said, well, I'm, you know, I, I've written like half the New Testament, so I'm good. But he said at just the right time, Christ died for us sinners. In other words, he put himself in that category. The same category that we all fall in, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. And so he put himself in that category that Christ, at the right time, came and died for us sinners. And so he, did, he, didn't, he didn't die while we weren't sinners. He died while we were sinners. And so it goes on to say, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. Listen to this. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So again, he's writing this and says that when I was at my worst, Jesus shows up. 
I mean, the gospel in its simplest form, you know, one of the favorite verse of many people is John 3, 16. And rightfully so, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And the next verse says this, for God didn't send his son into the world to condemn us, but that the world through him might be saved. So the reason why Jesus came was so that me and you in our brokenness, that he died for us in that time, in that season, in that moment, at my worst. And I even wrote this down, that he wasn't, that Zacchaeus wasn't just welcomed, he was pursued. He wasn't just welcomed, because you know, again, Zacchaeus was well known. He was the chief tax collector. He was the chief notorious bad guy in their community. The one that was despised the most. And it would be one thing if the disciples said, Master, we've heard today that Zacchaeus is going to be showing up. And what if he tries to follow you? And Jesus could have said, well, you know, if he tries to follow me, he's welcome. And, and that would have been noble. That, that would have even been an offense to some of the people that were there that day. But Jesus didn't just welcome Zacchaeus. He pursued him. He pursued him. And, and God knows if, if we're going to reach people where they are, that just like he pursues us in our brokenness, that, that we have to pursue people in their brokenness. It's so much easier to judge them in their brokenness, right? I mean, it's easy. You don't have to get involved or engaged. You stand back and criticize them, yell at them across the room and that kind of thing. That's real easy. It's just so much easier just, or, or we don't want to do that, just to be indifferent. And, and even go a step further and say, well, yeah, you're welcome. But, but there's something incredibly powerful. Where I'm at my worst and I'm pursued. That's a, that's a powerful thing in our world. And so if we're going to reach people right where they are, number one is this. Is we have to take a, le you know, just, you know, take a lesson from God and notice that God pursues us. In our brokenness. So let's keep reading there. He says this. So when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And then verse 6 says this. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement. Everybody say great excitement. Great excitement. And joy. But the people were displeased. Say displeased. displeased. So you, you get this two pictures that Jesus stops. And he says, Zacchaeus. And everybody leans in like, tell him off, master. Let him know. I'm going to have lunch with you today. And Zacchaeus climbs down the tree and it says, I can see him leading the way. Master, my home is right over there. Come with me. And Jesus is following all this crowd. Everybody's kind of like, what? <laughs> they were so displeased that he was going to go eat with this guy. And he goes on to say this. They said, he's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. He could have been the first rapper, notorious sinner. And so anyway, said, he... <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to bust a tune for you. Anyway, but he says, he's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. I'll give half my wealth to the poor. And if I cheated, I'll give back four times as much. Zacchaeus, in this tree, is called down and he goes... He takes Jesus to his home while he steals Zacchaeus, the tax collector. 
Zacchaeus the traitor. Zacchaeus the cheater. Zacchaeus the one that put money ahead of every valuable relationship he had. Jesus goes eat with him then. It was criticized. And I think it's interesting that people that criticized him probably agreed with Jesus theologically on so many things. It wasn't like there was this distance in what they believed theologically. But the criticism came and how they applied it. You see, they viewed the law as something to hold up to Zacchaeus and say, see how horrible you are? You need to do better. And Jesus said, he held up the law and said, see how broken you are, horrible you are? You need me. And here's what we lose sight of sometimes. If you're taking notes, number two is this. Is that if we're going to reach people right where they are, presence, Jesus' presence comes before change. Sometimes we expect people to change and then show up. We expect them to change and then, and then be a part. But, but with Zacchaeus, change didn't come with him until he has this encounter in his own home with Jesus who ran the risk of persecution and being misunderstood and being criticized because of who he was with that day. Presence comes before change. You know, I, I, there have been seasons in my life or moments where I've made decisions that I, that I hate. That I hate. That I've hurt people that love me, that I'm embarrassed about, that I'm ashamed of, and the shame is, is incredibly powerful. I remember one time somebody was really upset with me for something I'd done, and they were right, it was rightfully so, man. I was just, I was so, I was so wrong in what I did. And I told them, I said, look, if you're trying to make me feel bad, you're, you're way late. You can't make me feel any worse than what I'm making myself feel already. You can't add to the shame that I already have. And shame feels so noble because we hate what we did. But the challenge is shame doesn't bring transformation. It doesn't bring change. It, it causes us to hide and to withdraw. That as noble as it feels, as powerful as it feels because I hate what I did, real transformation doesn't take place until I encounter Jesus' presence. Then change takes place. I've had things in my own life that I've struggled with, that people I love want, want me to deal with, want me to do something about. And there's things that, that I want to get rid of, but, but I've realized at times that if, if my shame was enough to cause me to get free from that, I would have been free a long time ago. But when it comes to bringing about real transformation in my life, shame's a counterfeit. It's not until I get in his presence and I begin to take in his presence and then just speak to me and deal with me about my sin, that's part of it. But it's just his life in me gives me life. 
I know there have been things in my world, in my younger days, that there were things that I would deal with that my ability to overcome those was connected to the time that I spent with him. Just taking in who he is. Not being there with full of condemnation. Not being there full of shame. But just spending time with Jesus. I think it's, it's so interesting. I think about, you know, probably humanity is probably a lot the same. And you probably, among the religious group, you had two probably different groups of people. You had those people that despised him. That literally wanted nothing to do with him. Viewed him, I mean, they knew all the things that he was. And they were right in their assessment of him. He was a liar. He was a cheater. He did betray his people. Their assessment of him was spot on. It was accurate. It was correct. And so they determined, they assessed, they judged that because that's who he is, that I want nothing to do with him. And then you probably had another group that their mindset was, was that he is all those things, but I'm just going to be kind of indifferent to him. I'm not going to say anything about it, but I'm not having anything to do with him. And yet, Jesus, his encounter with this guy is, it's more than just, you know, live and let live and being indifferent. He engaged with this guy and he went to his home that day. In that culture, that, that was... That was such a personal thing that they almost viewed his presence there of affirmation of his behavior, which it wasn't. Jesus wasn't okay with what he was doing. But it was an encounter with Jesus that brought about the real change. I, I don't know, somebody shared this with me afterwards, and it makes sense to me, but when, when Zacchaeus said this, when he said that, uh, he stood before the Lord and said, I'll give half my wealth to the poor, and if I've cheated people on their taxes... I'll give them back four times as much. Then one person said that in certain cases in the law, that if you cheated somebody, that you're required to double back. So, so he did twice as much, twice as much more than what the law required him to do. Which I said this, that grace is not one of those things that permits us to sin. It takes us to a higher level than the law could ever take us. And so this encounter with Jesus brought about such a transformation in his life. As I was studying for this, you may not know this, but, you know, back then, names meant something. They would give their kids names based upon different things. The name Zacchaeus, do you know what it means? Pure. Pure. I wonder what kind of ridicule he faced as an adult that every time they saw him, they didn't see Zacchaeus, the pure one. They saw Zacchaeus, the liar. Zacchaeus, the cheater. Zacchaeus, the one that does this or does that. He was, but Jesus, what I love about Jesus is when the rest of the world can look at us and assess where they are, they can look at me and assess where I am, and often not only are they right, but they probably fall short of how bad I can be. Jesus knows exactly where I am, but he knows who I was created to be. If we're going to reach people where they are, we have to know that what they need is Jesus, his presence. That if we gather here as a gathering, and all it is is a gathering that just is kind of a, you know, and I believe in community, I believe this is a community of believers, of followers of Jesus, those are all words that mean something. But, but if it's just a gathering that he's not a part of, 
that he's not here, that his presence isn't here, that all it means is, is that we've just gotten together and no real transformation takes place. There is no salvation without Jesus. There is no transformation without him, without his presence. He's, the, he's not the bringer of shame. He's the deliverer from shame. He's not the bringer of condemnation. He's the deliverer from condemnation. He's not the writing you off in your brokenness. He's the, transforma- he's the transformer from your brokenness into his life and into the calling that he has for you. That's, the, that's what his presence brings. And it's just so easy to expect people to, well, you get your act together and then come on to church. As soon as you get straightened up, we want to see you at church on Sundays. Really? That's like saying, I'm going to get my clothes clean, then I'm taking them to the dry cleaner. I know that I, we had a friend that they, they had a housekeeper. That their husband wanted to be good to him, so he had a little extra money, so he started paying this lady to clean the house. But his frustration was that before the housekeeper would show up, his wife would clean the house up. And he'd be like, and, and being a man, you know, we don't get that. He's like, why, why do you do that? And she's like, well, I, I don't want to think I have a messy house. Well, that's why we're hiring her, because we, we have a messy house, you know? And so she always would clean up. And I, I think sometimes, you know, that in the church, man, we, we, we kind of think that's the way it's supposed to work. You know, it, it is a, Come as you are, leave different. If you have to come as you are 20 times before you leave different, come as you are. Come as you are. Because I have confidence that if you engage with his presence, it brings about transformation. It brings about change. So we're going to reach people where we are. We have to know this, that presence comes before change. Just keep yourself, I'll give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Salvation has come. Everybody say, has come. come. To this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came. Everybody say, came came to seek and save those who are lost. In other words, after Zacchaeus makes this declaration, Jesus said, salvation didn't wait for Zacchaeus to come to him. It it came to this house today. And he said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, we still have an obligation to respond. I've seen salvation show up. Dealing with people's lives, drawing them to Jesus, and they've rejected it. But I know this that when salvation, when Jesus shows up, when we engage and invite him into our life and surrender to his will, that real transformation begins to it begins with him forgiving us and creating a new a new creature on the inside. Our nature's completely changed. That when Zacchaeus encountered Jesus, who he was by name, pure, he became in reality. But it wasn't because he read a self-help book and just got better. It wasn't because his self-discipline got better. 
It's because he encountered Jesus and surrendered his life to him. And in that presence, he was transformed. But it was because Jesus pursued him. Part of our heart, and I know you guys know this, but we're going to say it over and over again. We're going to have our hearts stirred up because I have to be stirred up because sometimes I forget. Sometimes I lose sight. Sometimes I become indifferent or passionless about this. And I just can't let myself do that. We only have so many days, so many weeks, so many months, so many years here before, before we finish our race. And the only thing we take to heaven with us is people. And so I want to be stirred up to who we're called to be. And we're called to be the people to follow in the footsteps of the one that came into the world and came to seek and to save those who were lost because they needed him, just like I need him. And the longer I walk with him, I'm not less convinced, I'm more convinced of how much I need him. But it would be real easy just to say, everybody's welcome. And guess what? Everybody else is welcome. To meet Jesus. To encounter him. And again, it's, it's not come and just hang out. It's come and engage with his presence and let him bring about real change in our lives. But our calling is greater than that. It's, it's not to just be available. It's to be Purposeful. It's, it's to go. Salvation came to Zacchaeus' house. It showed up there. Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which is looking for them. You know what it tells me? It's about what you see. Who Zacchaeus was and what he did was not a secret to anybody. You'd have to look very hard to find him. He was visible in the community, despised in the community, disliked. They disliked him so much they weren't just mad at him, they were mad at the people that hung out with him. But they didn't see broken Zacchaeus, whose parent had named him pure. Probably not as a joke, but probably because it's what they desired for their son to be. I remember when David was born, you know, we said, what, what do you want to name him? We named him David because David was a man after God's own heart. And I said, I want my son to be a man after God's own heart. So we gave him that name. So for his parents to name him that, there, were, there was probably something in them that that's what they desired. And I can only imagine how many times their hearts were broken, how many times they were disappointed, and, and maybe even gave up on the thought that he was ever going to be Zacchaeus, the pure one. And the people in his community sure didn't see him with that potential. All they saw him was as Zacchaeus the liar, the cheater, the betrayer. But it wasn't until Jesus didn't see him for who he was, but who he could be. When he encountered his presence, that he began to engage with him because he knew there was more than what people were seeing. That he was created for more than that. If we're going to reach people where they are, then we have to understand this, people won't be found on their own. They just won't suddenly wake up someday and go, I think I need, I think I need Jesus. No, they have to be introduced to him. They have to be pursued. They, they, we have to be where they are. They, they, have to, they won't be found on their own. Jesus came, I, he said, I came to seek and save those who are alive. I came to look for them.
he saw Zacchaeus different. Because of that, he went to his house that day. He didn't view him as somebody that was broken that needed to be avoided. He viewed him as somebody that's broken that needs an encounter. Both groups saw him the same way. Jesus saw him as broken, they saw him as broken. They determined that because he's broken, he doesn't, we, we want nothing to do with him. Matter of fact, we're gonna despise him. Jesus saw him as broken because he saw him as broken. He said, he needs an encounter with my presence. It's all about what you see. It'll determine what you do. It gives him a hope to transform. And we have to understand, man, that people won't be found on their own, that we have to, just like Jesus has pursued us, we have to pursue them with his presence. I want you to do this. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. And just in our own life, just, just pray for a minute. If your heart needs to be stirred up for a lost world again, then let the Holy Spirit do that right now. I don't know that we have a more important calling than this. If you feel indifferent, ask him to stir your heart up. If you just found yourself mad at people that don't seem to get it, ask God to stir your heart up and, and see them for who they can be. Let's just spend a moment with God.